right center. Nylander in on the right side, scores! Willie Nylander coming down the right wing, just did get past the defenseman and snaps it home. And holy Mackinac, the Leafs with a 3-0 lead. And Nylander, if in fact that contract's coming around on Monday, is celebrating early. Well, Willie's unflappable. He, he, he doesn't... He doesn't get too concerned with anything that's going outside of what his responsibilities are on the ice. You know, he just he goes out and plays and he wants to continue to get better. He's been working on it on his game and working to find his own consistency over the last number of years and took a huge step last season and hasn't looked back. Obviously, he's a hell of a player, uh, special to his team. So he's um, sure he just gave you guys nothing. He's given us nothing too. So. Um, you know, we'll see what happens, but obviously he's a big part of his team and he's had a great year for us. Obviously, that, that would be a dream to, to stay here, I mean, to play for such an organization and, I mean, call Toronto home, so I think uh, that would be a very special, special feeling. Close? Uh, we'll see. We're having a laugh. Good Monday morning. It is the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, alongside Jesse Rubinoff, who's in for uh, Brent Gunning, after his wisdom teeth surgery on Friday, I talked to him. He's all He's good. He's okay? Yeah. Good to see you, man. How's six in the morning to you? That's is all right. It, is this normally a time that you're you're conscious and it, awake? No, no. Not even close. Uh, but it's... It's great to be here in the morning. Uh, it's not too cold. I know oftentimes when you wake up in the wintertime at like 5 a.m. or 4.30, it's like absolutely mm-hmm. horrendous to go start the car and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, it's a scrape nice it day. off. Yeah, but it's a nice little day outside so far, so it's all good. Happy to be here, buddy. How are you? I'm good, man. Yeah, it was good to, to text with you yesterday. You were working late here, and it reminded me, like, I've done that. I've yeah. done the work late and then come in and do the morning show, I've actually, I've I've slept in the studio before. Have you ever done that? Like, you ever slept here before? No, but I, I know that that is a thing that people do. Man. It's what part of the business sometimes. Yeah. So I could have done that last night. Yeah. I think it's probably wise that you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, yeah, I was here. I was here pretty late last night, like close close to about midnight. But it's all right. We're all good. We're, yeah. we're back and better than ever. All right. Yeah, you're one and done yeah. because Brent <laughs> is back tomorrow. So yeah, you get to 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 nap after you're done uh, after our three hour program. I'll today. take it. Uh, how, how are your wisdom teeth? Like Brent had I got a, all four out. Okay, so that's yeah. what Brent did. And he was all freaking out on, on Friday. Oh, it was about four? The, yeah. Not two. I think it was all four, that's man. That's a lot. Four's a lot. Like, he, he, it's a... I remember, actually, right after, you feel fantastic. Well, because, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and during... I remember during feeling pretty fantastic, too, honestly. Yeah. I don't even remember... Like, I don't think I remember any of it. The, mm-hmm. the process of getting your wisdom teeth up. Don't remember it. Mm-hmm. Remember getting up, feeling pretty loopy. And then the aftermath is a bit rough like yeah the, it's the, not great the calm down is is the harder part yeah. so i'm glad that, to hear that he's doing all right yeah when you realize like yeah oh that's the taste oh, of blood yeah. in my mouth yeah, yeah. it's like a surgery they <laughs> my, performed on me <laughs> my face is twice the size yeah. than it was yesterday that's tough. tough but yeah. yeah so he said he said he's all right yeah good all right and fingers crossed for him the lee fan that he is that the, the william nylander uh contract uh stuff doesn't break during the show today right. and right. Uh, he still gets to talk about it tomorrow but speaking of which yeah, Leafs sweep their way through California, which we'll get to as well. But the big news of the weekend is nothing official, and it was building, and Nick Kiprios was first on it with the eight years times 11.25, and it may be trending closer to $11.5 million eight-year extension for William Nylander. Now it just feels like a matter of time. How do you feel about it, man? This is the guy that, that 
I mean, we talk about uh, progression not always being linear. It has been for him the last three years. It just mm-hmm. keeps getting better and better and better. Yeah. Look, I don't think it's William Nylander's fault that the Leafs have had uh, the ability to pay their stars a lot of money over the years. And he is well within his right to try and squeeze as much as he possibly can from the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's up to them to decide is William Nylander going to be an 11 to 11 and a half million dollar player. And based on the way that he's played so far this season, it's very hard to say that he's not that kind of guy. He's on pace for 120 points, 54 points in 37 games. He is that kind of player right now. And unfortunately for the Leafs, he made the decision with his agent to bet on himself, so to speak. And it's Mm -hmm. not the first time we've seen it work out in the player's favor in sports. And Fred Van Vliet's making $40 million to play for the Houston Rockets now. So guys have made that decision and it has worked out. It's a lot of money. But at the end of the day, this guy has played through 36 games or whatever it is to deserve over $11 million. Is it the smartest move by the Toronto Maple Leafs, that's probably a, a different conversation. But for William Nylander, it's hard to say that this guy is not worth that amount of money at this point of his career playing the way he is. Yeah, we'll talk to Frank Cervelli um, after 8 o'clock. I mean, that to me is the big question if you're going to evaluate dollars and cents. And and we'll, I mean, the cap's going up $4 bucks, and, and fingers crossed for the Leafs, at least, that they become this team that's, that's competing in a, a different economic scale than yeah. everybody else, right? Like, that they remain a cap team. And maybe not everybody in the NHL is still a cap team mm-hmm. as they appear to be right now. But, like, what was what was the number that got it done before the season? Like, what did Brad Living push Louis Gross and William Nylander as far as the, their dollar ask before the season? And how different is it today than it would have been if 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 Brad for Living had not asked William Nylander to, to to bet on himself, but you're right, the bet has worked out in spades for William Nylander. Yeah. Now, like he he becomes the the if this happens, and again, like it feels like it's it's fait accompli. I even saw some reports in, in Swedish press that that it is yeah. done. Nothing officialized yet, but it feels like this is the week, if not this is the day that it gets done. He's going to be the longest tenured Leaf now, right? He's going to mm-hmm. be under contract for four more years than Austin Matthews. Um, Morgan Riley's the only other Leaf player who's, you know, a part of this core, and I guess we don't call him a part of the core four because that includes John Tavares and yeah. and and Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and William Nylander. But he's the only guy that signed an eight-year contract extension. John Tavares maxed his his contract offer, but that was seven years when he arrived from New York. I mean, what what does it say about his standing in the history of this franchise if he's the only guy to sign for eight years and, and be here for? You know, the, the entirety of his prime. Yeah, what's interesting is that it, it's clear based on the fact that he he might be signing this contract that he really likes it here. And you would think that that would help serve as leverage for the Leafs front office to say, oh, you, you really want to stay here? Well, if you want to stay here, then maybe take the nine and a half to ten to even ten and a half million dollars and not wait it out, bet on yourself and end up getting 11 to 11 and a half because that's really going to jam us up a little bit here. But ultimately, if Brad Trilling, I don't know if he's a, not a tough negotiator or whatever mm. it may be, but at the end of the day, he may have approached Willie's camp and Willie yeah. might have said, yeah, I really like it here, but I also think I'm a pretty darn good hockey player and I'm willing to go into the season. And like, I remember specifically coming into uh, do radio over the summer and I was Sam McKee and I were having this conversation. Like, this you could see this coming. As soon as we knew that the Leafs weren't going to sign Nylander in the offseason, 
you could see a great contract year coming from William Nylander. And frankly, I thought from a Leafs perspective, having a guy who's that talented performing and as motivated as he is, this is actually a a decent thing for the Leafs this season Mm -hmm. because he's going to play as hard as he possibly can. And it's going to hopefully for the Leafs result in more wins than losses. And to this point, I mean, look at the results for him. He's Mm -hmm. been unbelievable, right? So it has worked out in their favor. Moving forward is when you get into a bit of a pickle because I don't even know how they feel the team next year. Yeah. And they they got some, some guys coming off the books um, and a couple of guys that are playing in their top nine and and Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi were, you know, just signed one year deal. So those guys, but I mean, those are spots you got to fill, but like I said, the caps going up, but it's, it's, it's funny because you look back at the way the past off season played out and the Kyle Dubas of it all. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean the drama that that surrounded him and that incredible uh, Brendan Shanahan press conference kind of detailing each and every step of the way that uh, negotiations between he and and Kyle uh, uh, went about last off season. But like to me, the thing that's ringing in my head was before Kyle Dubas was summarily dismissed, before he came back to to Brandon Shanahan and said, you know what, the family stuff, let's put that aside. I do want to be here. And then Brandon Shanahan saying, well, you know what, forget it. Let's move on. Before that happened, he did give some indication that like he was more open to maybe not moving off this core, but like a different route, right? Like for the first time in an offseason, we had a Toronto Maple Leafs general manager say, yeah, I know we've, I've said we can and we will, and we did and we, <laughs> we won around, right? But obviously the ultimate prize was not there for us in the postseason. Maybe there's a different way to go about this thing. Now you could take that, you know, a bunch of different ways. One of the ways I think most of us took it was like, oh, maybe there isn't just a steadfast belief in these four dudes forever and ever. Mm. Amen. Instead, he sent out the door. In comes Brad True Living late in the proceedings in the offseason as well. So it's like... He's just getting acc- uh, acclimated to being the general manager of the most famous franchise in the NHL. And I know it says Hockey Town on the Ice in Detroit, but yeah, this is Hockey Town, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, yeah. like, and he's got a million different things, and he's got he's got to sign some guys. He's got to field the team, and he's got to sign Martin Jones, and he's got to give a million dollars to Ryan Reeves for whatever reason. But he's got a, a bunch of moving pieces, so you understand, like, how some things could, could move down the pecking order here. But, no, he... He does. He lets the the deadline pass on the Mitch Marner no trade clause being enacted. Mm-hmm. He gets the deal done with Austin Matthews. He doesn't sign William Nylander to the extension. Then he signs him to an extension. Now we assume again, reported, nothing's happened yet. And I assume because everybody else has the same no trade protections that William Nylander is also going to have at least some no trade protection. You would think at least for the front half of this eight year deal. This is it, Jesse. Whether it works or not, I got I get it. Okay, Mitch Marner, one year left. Again, no trade, full no trade protection it's, for Mitch Marner yeah. next season as he goes into his own contract year. Last year for, for John Tavares, also with full no trade clause protection. This is it. So whether you like it or not, and and whether you believe that you can you can change this team substantially without changing the core four dudes, this is it. Like this is sink or swim with Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, to a lesser extent, John Tavares. I, I think it's possible that after his final year, uh, he re-ups on, mm-hmm. on something that's a little more team-friendly. But this is it. This, there, there's no moving off it. Like, like, you can't even put your – I can't put my brain in a spot where I envision this team 
without those dudes. Yeah, well, at least until, you know, the Tavares deal is up and the Marner deal is up, which is uh, at the end of the 24. Yeah, but are, are they going to watch season. Mitch Marner walk? Like, the, again, you can't trade him, right? So so either, okay, you're re-upping Mitch Marner, and like I said, he's going to ask for the same no-trade Or you're losing him for nothing. Or you're losing him for nothing, <laughs> which I, I don't envision. No, it's a, it's a really tough spot because you, you would think – you know, what have we heard for so long about this Toronto Maple Leafs team? They, they haven't been able to get over the hump, so to speak. I know they won a round, obviously, last year, but they haven't been able to get over the hump because they don't have that cornerstone defenseman and they don't have that goaltender that is among the top five in the NHL that can steal you a couple rounds in the playoffs a la Sergei Bobrovsky last year. They don't have that. And people have been saying for the longest time until the Leafs get a number, a true number one defenseman or a goalie who is capable of doing what we saw from Bobrovsky a year ago. They're never going to win. And next year, and it would appear the year after that, they're still going to be no closer to that because they don't have the resources to be able to fill out the roster in that way. So this is the team you're going to have moving forward. I uh, am of the belief that this team is good enough and talented enough to get it done. I, I believe that too, but like it's getting harder and harder. Like seven yes. consecutive years. And I know they won a round last year despite having their worst playoff series that they've had in the last couple against God. the Tampa Bay Lightning. Whatever. They got the saves. They got it done. Scoreboard, right? Six games. They, they won a series. Yeah. And then they get their heads pounded in in five games uh, against the Panthers. Like Brad for living, he's doing the thing that we all kind of do. But like if you were in the chair like Kyle Dubas was for the half decade, that eventually you're like, okay, am I – thinking about this all wrong. Yeah. But no, anybody who was who was just looking at this franchise from an outsider's perspective, which Brad Treliving was, you know, less than a year ago, comes in and and then sees the product on the ice right now, how do you not think it's going to work out? It's just like this is not That's the first kick at the can. That's such a good point. Like I think I think it's almost reaffirming or should be at least reaffirming to Leaf fans that like it's not just Dubis sitting in there in his ivory tower being like, I'm a mad genius. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that's figured it all well, out. And he has I'm... emotional equity in it, right? right? Like he was the guy there from the beginning. This is Brad Trilliving exactly just right. getting pa- parachuted in. He's exactly. like, oh, he is getting enamored by what we all see on a nightly basis that's, during the regular season. That's such a good point. A veteran GM who's been around the block for a while, a guy who comes in and says, look, I think, because he knows what the implications of this are. You know, he's not dumb. Mm-hmm. He knows that if he signs William Nylander to $11.5 million contract, he's going to be hamstrung in terms of trying to build out the rest mm-hmm. of the roster. But he he wouldn't do this if he didn't think it was the right move. Yeah. Like, what are his other options, too, is something that I, I think we, we could talk about. Like, he had the opportunity, you would think, to try and re-sign Nylander in the offseason. Nylander's camp, we're assuming, said, uh, we want to bet on ourselves and, and we want to go into the season that way. So his only other option was to trade him. Yeah. And or, he has or, a 10-team no-trade list, right. too. Or, or take it all the way to free agency and... Johnny Goudreau it try up. And, and Johnny Goudreau it up. And then risk... Exactly. Losing him to Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah, there you know there was the argument that whatever team wanted, William Nylander would have had to pay extra per year because mm-hmm. the Leafs have the extra year that they can offer him. So someone would, ha- you would think, have to offer Willie $12.5 million if the Leafs are offering 11.5 to get Nylander's services. Yeah. But, but that's only seven million more, right? 
over the course <laughs> yeah. of the yeah, yeah. exactly as right. opposed to the 11 and a half million more that the Leafs can offer him by is, you know. is it inconceivable if William Nylander puts up 120 points uh-huh. that another team would have given him 12 and a half million dollars especially I mean, knowing that the cap is going up sure like if you're the Blackhawks why not like, why, why not have yeah Connor Bedard's running mate you know like, if I'm true living I don't want to take that risk no like I don't want to go all the way down under free agency and then have the Blackhawks swoop in and say we need someone desperately to play with Connor Bedard we're going to give him William Nylander 12 and a half million dollars yep. it's a lot easier to stomach for a team that stinks mm-hmm. and doesn't have three other guys that are on the books at 11 million dollars mm-hmm. so someone would have done it and the Leafs had to make a decision here and look these guys don't grow on trees like the o- the only thing that's holding me back I'll tell you the only thing that's holding me back with this deal and I'm a huge fan of Nylander I'm a bit concerned about a contract year for a guy who's 28 it ending up like a Jonathan Huberdeau type situation. Yeah, the, I mean, but he scores more. Like Uberto, you know, he he builds his point totals a lot through assists and more of a perimeter player. Like we, different and, players, but the similarity in the sense that Huberto had that crazy year, mm-hmm. 117 points. Right, that's where Nylander is trending. Mm-hmm. He got paid, and it's been downhill very quickly ever since. And it's not a fair thing necessarily to say to Nylander because they're you said it, they're not the same player, but. It was what Trilliving literally just experienced, yeah. and it's hard not to draw the parallels. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see if something gets officialized um, sometime this week. I mean, again, like Nick Kipperis reported before the trade deadline. Um, it feels like it's going to happen before that even. Uh, Leafs are back home. They play the Sharks again tomorrow night, <laughs> the home and home, after they take all six points in L.A., in Anaheim, in San Jose, uh, we'll talk more about the Nylander contract uh, later on in the program. Again, we'll talk to Frank Cervelli after 8 o'clock. But let, let's talk about this Leafs team and the performance they put forth in those three games, um, of which they played one legitimate hockey team, and that was L.A. And that was a great <laughs> performance. And you know, they, came yeah. up, they came up large in that game. Yeah. Uh, they played well defensively in all three, allowing only one five-on-five goal over, over that span. Um, the Ducks got an incredible goaltending performance. So style. Yeah. And and so I mean it took until you know, overtime the Leafs come away with a victory, but they dominated the sixty plus minutes of that hockey game again. Uh, the Kings game was one of the the best sixty minute hockey games they've put forth this season, and then they put the screws to one of the worst teams in hockey in San Jose, the worst. I mean record wise. Um, I mean, but this is also an organization, and, and Sheldon Keefe has talked about this being a bugaboo for this team that. I mean, you can you can point to those bad teams and say, well, yeah. I mean, obviously, you're going to take care of business against the Ducks and the Sharks. Hasn't always been the case for this core. Oh, Jesse, no, no, does no. it tell you something that they they didn't let up in those couple of games against bottom feeders? Yeah, well, they've stunk against the Senators, the Blue Jackets, the Sabers, like in a bad, bad way all year. It, it really does tell me something. What it tells me is that every time they struggle, I'm just going to come back to think about this is what they can do. This is what they're capable of. And this is why they can convince fans every so often that they are a really good hockey team. Like, have they been really bad against other teams? Yeah, but they have proven now that they can commit to play better team defense that they have all season long. They, they have realized that in net, they don't have the most solidified situation. Martin Jones has been fantastic, but his track record over the last number of seasons is absolutely not good at all. No, so, it's been five years since he's had a save percentage above 900. 900. Exactly right. So they, I think, have realized, look, we need to put our goaltenders in better situations to succeed. 
and we need to play better team defense and recommit to that. And they have. And I think with a team that's as top heavy as the Toronto Maple Leafs are, if you can play a sound defensive game, remember last year, they're actually really, really good defensively Mm -hmm. for really long stretches of the season. And we were giving the Leafs a lot of credit for being a strong defensive team. Yeah, they lost uh, Morgan Riley for a month and they essentially didn't allow a goal over that space. Exactly. So I think they've proven that, again, they have the ability to do this. And when you're that top heavy, if you play great team defense, you're going to score. You're still going to score. Like you have enough talent. Watch Austin Matthews play. He gets 13 shots in a game. Mm-hmm. And it's like this. You know that this guy's going to score. If you win a game 2-1 instead of winning a game 5-3, that's a good thing. That shouldn't be a bad thing. But for the longest time, we've become accustomed to the Leafs winning games 6-5, 4-3. Like, no. Dial it back a little bit. You don't have to play like the 2000 New Jersey Devils or the, the Carolina Hurricanes of 2023-24. But... Be a little bit more responsible defensively. And because you're so talented up front, you're still going to get the offense that you need to win games. So anytime the Leafs struggle, I'm now going to come back to moments in the season like this road trip and say, this is what I know this team can do, which also makes it even more frustrating when they don't do it because it's like, guys, it's 82 games. I expect you to have a, a, you know, a bad game here and there, but don't go a week with, abandoning your defensive play. Just don't do it. I, I, it's really hard to, to, to lose the San Jose Sharks. Like nine teams have done it this season, mm-hmm. including some half def- decent ones. Again, they, they got the Sharks in town uh, tomorrow. I, I don't know. I've ne- I, I don't know if I've ever seen some of the breakdowns that the, the Sharks had in, in that game against the Leafs. There was like a two on O. The one William Nylander goal, there was a two on O. It, it didn't, it was like no turnover. It was just mm-hmm. like in the shark zone. And after a cycle, there's a two on O where you're playing like, Give and go um, in front of the net. Um, yeah, and we'll see. Like, maybe this conversation is a little bit different uh, tomorrow night against a Sharks team after yeah, a successful road trip. Perhaps you don't have the, the Leafs' best effort. But that being said, so the Sharks are really bad. Really uh, bad. They looked really bad on the road. Mm-hmm. I know it's Martin Jones' former team. He's looked really good. I also understand the Leafs have been undone by goaltending the last couple of weeks. And they put extra import on picking up these two points each and every night on this road trip as exemplified by Martin Jones starting in 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 back-to-back games on the road in Anaheim after picking up the shutout in LA against the Kings. I wonder going into hockey night in Canada if we would see Dennis Hill to be, right? Like seemed like a nice little landing a soft landing spot after you pick up the the four points. Mm-hmm. You 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 know you've assured yourself of at least a winning road trip. They go back to Martin Jones, which it's hard to argue with, but there is, there's no backup plan to Martin Jones right now. If Martin Jones gets injured, like you are big time capital S screwed because you, it's like <laughs> Dennis Hill to be an Ilya Samsonov. Yeah. And I, he's not 40, but he's, he's now, he's about to be 34 years old. Uh, I think his, his birthday is actually in two days, Martin Jones. Um, do you get Dennis Hill to be a start here this week? Ilya Samsonov has not played a game yet for the Marlies. Their next game coming up on Friday. And we'll see if, if, if he plays in that game, but like this mental reset is still taking place for Ilya Samsonov. What do you do with the goaltending here? Because I get like Martin Jones is on a heater. He allowed two goals in those three games. Only one five on five goal. It was the shorthanded goal in Anaheim that uh, gave the Ducks the lead in that game. What do you do here with the goaltending? Because I understand like, you know what? I, you don't want to give Dennis Hill to be too much too soon. And I, I guess there's a concern of like ruining his confidence. If his, his first foray into the NHL yeah. doesn't go very mm-hmm. well. And especially if it's against a bad team like the sharks, but conversely, isn't there like a really good argument to be made that 
That's exactly the spot you would want to put a, a kid who you believe in and, and believe is an NHL-level goaltender? Don't you get the sense that they brought him up without the intention of really playing him? Like, I, when he was brought up... All indications are that. The fans were like, we got to see this guy. He's the savior. Look at his numbers in the AHL. But I think we forgot a little bit because it's 6-7. We're so excited to watch him. The Hilda Beast is like became this like cult hero with even setting foot in the net. Like he's an AHL rookie and they're desperately trying to insulate this guy. And I think what it comes down to is it's about points at this point of the season for the Toronto Maple Leafs heading into this road trip. They were on the basically they were on a three game losing the streak. precipice of being in the, the wild card, if not on the edge of the postseason. So it became critical to them to get as many points as possible. And that's why you ended up seeing Martin Jones carry the, the way through the road trip. But I think here, looking at their schedule, they're going to have another back-to-back Saturday yeah, and weekend. Sunday. Against, like, not at, the Sharks, though. Not the Sharks. But the I think <laughs> Hildeby's not going in Saturday night against the Abs. Right. For so, sure. So it would have to like be Sunday against Detroit. Against, yeah, who can score? Yes. It's not, a, it's not an ideal spot. But at some point, you're going to have to give Martin Jones a break. And it's not going to be Ilya Samsonov. So your only other option is Dennis Hildeby. So unless Jones runs the table until Joseph Wall is ready to come back, which is inconceivable. Yeah. He's got to start at some point. And if he's bad, he's bad. And, and yeah. what's the worst case scenario? I mean, it can't be worse than Ilya Samsonov, exactly. like, quite is, literally. Is he going to be, is his confidence, you know, going to be destroyed for his career if he has one bad game against the Red Wings? No. Mm. Like, he's, he's an AHL rookie. He'll go back eventually, and uh-huh. you would assume pick it right back up. But he's got to play at some point. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's why I would I would test the waters with him tomorrow night against the Sharks. Like, mm. that's a tough way to make your NHL debut. On the back end of back-to-backs against a team that's competing for a playoff spot, right, like against an original six round. Like, there's no, there's no, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, I'm also going to be on you. doesn't matter if you're playing a weeknight game at, at 1030 um, Eastern time. Like, there's going to be a lot of people watching. There's going to be a lot of discourse about your performance. There's no easy, there's no easy foray into the NHL when you're a Leafs goaltender, yeah. no matter what the situation is. But if you are looking at the the easiest possible transition to life in the NHL, and you're right to talk about him being an AHL rookie, this is a guy that's like pretty limited, like professional hockey yeah. resume. <laughs> but but if you if you're if you're at all concerned about giving him an opportunity, like making sure that his first opportunity is a good one, and, and you do intend to start him at some point, and it's not just a hey, we're gonna give Samsonov a total reset. We don't expect to play any of our backups until that back to back to back, and then we're giving it back to Samsonov after a full refresh, reset mentally. But if you do intend to start Dennis Hill to be in one of those games on the back to back, and it's probably the Sunday game against Detroit, I, I'd start him tomorrow against you know the Sharks. What? You know, I'm sold. I, I, I actually, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you convinced me. <laughs> you convinced me. The, the Sharks are so bad. They're and awful. It, it's an opportunity to kickstart his NHL career mm-hmm. with Give some, some confidence. confidence. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm sold. I, I think you, we need to get you on the line with Sheldon Keith. <laughs> I mean, I, I do wonder what happens then on the Saturday, Sunday. Uh-huh. Because. Well, you mean if he stinks? Like, what if, what yeah. if, what if Dennis Hildeby comes <laughs> into. I mean, if he's bad, if he's bad, you're kind of screwed. I don't know. You throw him in against the Red Wings. I guess you have to kind of either way. Because if he's good, mm-hmm. then you'll probably play him on the Sunday against the Wings yeah. also. Yeah. So he's probably playing Sunday night. Either way, mm-hmm. but I think it's a good opportunity because he and, and Jones, you give him a bit of a break after the road trip. He did all the heavy lifting and had, mm-hmm. a, you know, and he played his former team already mm-hmm. in San Jose. So that's out of the way, too. He doesn't need to do it again tomorrow night. So, yeah, I like it. 
uh, I'm glad I was able to sell so, you on yeah, that. Yeah, great job. I mean, I was I was I was trying to sell Brent on on getting uh, getting him into that game on Saturday. Yeah. That didn't that didn't happen. Uh, I think he could have probably pulled off a, a reasonable facsimile of the Martin Jones performance mm-hmm. against that bad Sharks team, but we'll see. Uh, Leafs return home, perhaps with a, a new contract for William Nylander tomorrow against the Sharks. All right, when we come back, New Look Raptors win yet again against uh, not your father's Golden State Warriors team anymore. Sad. Uh, RJ Barrett <laughs> throwing up 37. We'll get into that and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Jesse Rubinoff, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Jesse Rubinoff, in for Brent Gunning, who will be back uh, tomorrow with uh, without his wisdom teeth. Um, <laughs> Raptors good, Warriors bad. Very I mean, bad. I mean, at least for one day, but like maybe at the end of the season we'll look back and, and that will still be true. I, it wouldn't surprise me, honestly. Uh, they destroy the Golden State Warriors yesterday. Do the Raptors uh, tune them up for 36 points in the first quarter, 40 in the second, 27-point lead, which got frittered away down to 10 in the third quarter. But, yeah, end up uh, with a pretty convincing 133-118 win over the Warriors. Uh, Raptors improved to 15 and 21. And R.J. Barrett with 37 points, second-most points ever scored by a Canadian in a Raptors uniform. He was 13 of 20 from the field, including 5 of 8, from three, six of eight from the free throw line. He was out freaking standing. Raptors two and one through three games of this six game tough road trip, which continues against the two LA teams midweek uh, this week. So the only loss coming on Friday to a Kings team that shot 21 of 38 from yeah. three. Yeah. And still the Raptors had a chance to tie that game in the dying seconds. Emmanuel quickly with uh, an off balance three pointer. But before that, like the last two minute report, says that he was fouled on a three, so retroactively could have had three free throws to tie that game, Mm -hmm. and who knows what happens in overtime if it gets gets to that spot. So maybe the Raptors are 3-0 through the first three games. Uh, They're 3-1 under this new regime of uh, R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly. Jesse, are you buying what what the Raptors are trying to sell you here? I'm all in. I, I can't believe how quickly I've turned. Like I, I, I try very hard to not be like a fair weather onlooker who rides emotionally with every win and loss of a Toronto team, but you cannot watch this team now and think that they're not different. They are so obviously different in every way imaginable. Obviously they lost something on the defensive end with OG and OB going to New York. We knew that was going to be the case if he was going to be traded, but what they have gained offensively with the players they brought in cannot be understated. Emmanuel quickly was a quote unquote combo guard Mm -hmm. coming out of New York. A guy who was a six man. He comes onto the floor. His number one goal or intention is to score. Now he is the starting point guard for the Toronto Raptors. And his, he's got a dual mandate to score and to facilitate. And what did he have last night? 10 assists. RJ Barrett, not always the most efficient guy, He is one of two players 
in the NBA this season to have a 35-5-5 and game with five threes yeah. and zero turnovers. The only other guy to do that in the NBA is Luka Doncic. That's pretty good. That's good company. It's ridiculous. Like, R.J. Barrett coming into this trade, I think I looked at him as a guy who's inefficient. You know, there were <laughs> there was a major podcast in the United States where yeah. he was talked about as a toxic asset because mm-hmm. of his contract. I don't think he's that. I also am not... 100% sold that he's the guy that we saw last night, but it's hard not to be encouraged by what you see by both of them individually. And then as a team, Betty, mm-hmm. their offense, which was so unlikable to watch. It was no fun whatsoever watching. They couldn't shoot. And this was a thing for two seasons. Now in the new regime, they're a top four offense by rating in the NBA. Like, that's how much it's changed. They're shooting over 40%. It's three. crazy. No, it, you know what? The difference is just it, it feels like they have way more options. And, like, quite factually, they do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they have one extra because they, they sent out OG Ananobi. And, yeah, no offense to Precious Achua and Malachi Flynn. They sent out OG Ananobi, and they got back two rotation players, two starters in Emmanuel quickly yeah. and R.J. Barrett. But, you know, OG Ananobi, R.J. Barrett ain't. Like, R.J. Barrett can, can create for mm-hmm. himself. And that was part of his game yesterday. I mean, I don't expect him to shoot, what, five of eight from three? Yeah. Although, you know, you do look at his sophomore season in the NBA. He shot over 40%, played 72 games. It was, like, not limited attempts. Like, it is in him. And the free throw percentage has been up this season over 80%. So, so maybe that's more a part of his game. But you're right to talk about this offense. It, it, it has looked night and day different from before the trade where – they 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 don't go through the what like five minute stretches where they're loath to get a bucket and you don't know how the next one's gonna come and you got some some guys that are former all stars potential future all stars and Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam but them by themselves especially when they're surrounded by non factors offensively oh, cannot create. It's like why are we watching this? And, Brutal. And you, yeah, okay, the defense you're right is diminished from a guy that could be one day a defensive player of the year and and one of the best defenders in in the NBA and OG Ananobi got it. And and maybe at a certain point we'll we'll look back on that and and maybe you know you don't have to look that far back. You can look to Friday and say, "Man, how how different does the defense on Sabonis look with OG Ananobi mm-hmm, in the lineup?" Mm-hmm. It, it's 2024 in the NBA, you got to score. This team couldn't. Now it can. That's basically what it comes down to. Like the, they were such a bad shooting team that they had no chance. Like the only way that they could win was more possessions than the other team. Yeah, and that's why it was such a frenetic team to watch. Like it was yeah, chaos on the defensive end and offensive rebounds, crash the glass, all that stuff. And that was honestly the only way they could win because you're going up against teams that are attempting 43s a night, and oftentimes they're hitting almost half of them. Like you, you don't have a chance. Like it's just math. Mm-hmm. You, you have to have more possessions if your team can't shoot. So what did they go out and do? Well, they got. Some better shooters. RJ obviously struggled with some inefficiency, but you mentioned it. He has it in him. And I didn't realize how good of a three-point shooter quickly is. Yeah, 40% career. Yeah. And now you have the emergence of Scotty Barnes as a three-point threat. He's shooting close to 40%, which has been a crazy leap for him. And you can can withstand a down night shooting from Scotty Barnes yesterday because, you know, somebody has an off night. You you know, there's another possibility somebody else is going to pick up the slack like RJ. Exactly. It's options, right? Mm -hmm. You need to have guys where if not everything's cooking, your star player isn't having a great night, you need to have someone else able to pick up the slack. And OG, I know there were always rumblings that he wanted a bigger offensive role. Right. But... 
he never really showed that he was no. capable of that. Like if if quickly can come in here or RJ Barrett can come in here and within the first three games, RJ Barrett has 37. Well, OG, you know that opportunity then was there. Mm-hmm. And it never really showed consistently. So now what do you do? You bring in guys who are capable of actually doing that, find roles where they're they have a little bit more freedom to do their sort of thing. And you know that Scotty Barnes, which I think is is something that's really good about this Raptors offense. You don't have guys in there that are going to be selfish. Mm-hmm. Like you know that Scotty Barnes, part of his game is to be a facilitator as well. Like before these guys were brought in here, a lot of times he was a starting point guard, right? Effectively, right? So you don't have someone that needs twenty to twenty-five shots a night. If one night it happens to be quickly who's going off, then they're going to help him, help elevate his game. Last night it was R.J. Barrett. Oftentimes it could be Pascal Siakam, which I'm sure we're going to get into in a second. But they have a lot of options now. They feel deeper than they were prior to the trade. And it's hard not to feel like this is – it's still early. So I don't want to draw comparisons to the 2013 Rudy Gay trade because I think that's doing them a disservice at this point. There's a long, long way to go. But I do think that this team is a lot more fun than they were. And they are clearly better than they were before the trade. I don't think it's too early to say those two things. Like, especially the fun thing. Like, mm-hmm. that's yeah. that, that's for sure yeah. real. Like, that's tangible. That's not changing. Yeah. They're, they're, they're more fun than they were before the OG trade. Hard like, not what, to be. Yeah, what their ceiling is with R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly, okay, perhaps we're, we, we're getting ahead of ourselves when we're talking about But, like, about what the hell do you do a, now? Because you don't have much time to figure it out? Well, at least they have a month, right? Like, at least this is not a deadline deal where you're making them consecutively. Like, you're, you're you're trading OG for this return and you're trading Pascal Siakam for whatever return they get, or you're extending Pascal Siakam, which is still a possibility. God. Yeah. I mean, this is what I was talking about, you know, before the Friday game, before uh, yesterday's game against the Warriors is that you like, you wish you, you almost wish this was an off season trade. So you have like the whole <laughs> first half of the season to figure out yeah. what this team looks like with Pascal Siakam. And I understand from like just a financial perspective and we'll talk to Mr. Cap, uh, Blake Murphy at eight 30 about like how, <laughs> how it might look with a max extension for Pascal Siakam with this group. But this, like, I, I would like to see this, this group so an extended I, run, right? <laughs> I know it doesn't make any sense. Oh, my goodness. And I know, like, you're not going to be a luxury tax team um, w- without being a championship contender, which, like, nobody's making that type of leap with this group. Um, there is a way, in talking to Grange last week, like, there is a way to extend him to to his, his, his max, uh, Pascal, that is, and re-sign quickly, who's a restricted free agent, and extends Scotty Barnes to the rookie max, although that would kick in after next season, and not be a luxury tax team next season. But then, mm. like the season beyond that, you're you're poten- potentially in in cap hell. Is it, I, I just want to see this thing play out. Now, luckily, luckily, we get we we do get a bunch of games here against tough opposition, right? And maybe the, the Warriors are not that. Uh, I, I'm I'm thinking the Clippers are going to be kind of tough, especially yeah. on the back end of back to backs. They got the two LA teams back to back. Who uh, who played last night, by the way, uh, at Crypto.com and uh, the Lakers with a much needed victory yesterday. But this is this is the benefit of all these games and all these tough games because even when they get back, they get the Celtics and the Heat. Like this is, I I I know it's it's maybe not the most fair way to evaluate these guys who have had I think one practice together. It's crazy. But but this is this is all we got. Um, so you keep it up. Say you take five of the six games on this road trip, which is, I, I get it. Like it's very, 
Like they, you want to talk about getting out ahead of things like that, that is that, but like you could see them at least winning one of the LA games, especially against the Lakers team that, you know, that was their biggest victory of the season yesterday against the Clippers. They've been supremely underwhelming. And then a jazz team who, who is beatable. Yep. Say you take like four of the six, you come back home. I, I, I just, I want to see it play out. And I'm glad that the Raptors have good opposition, that there's, there's, there's going to be a real litmus test thing happening here the next couple three weeks it almost feels wrong to to say that we want it to play out considering like where i personally was right before they made the deal i was like you gotta break it, it all up you yeah. gotta completely blow it up and i was like getting on the front office for at that point not having chosen a direction and yeah frankly it was it was tough to watch the team and you were wondering like what what are they waiting for like why haven't they made a move you have these two guys who are so critical to your core you got to figure out what to do with ananobi and siakam and I was adamant that they needed to do something. Well, circumstances change and things change. Yeah. And they made a trade that fundamentally affects the fabric of this team. Yeah. And now the number one decision, you know, what are they going to do with Pascal? And if they have a good showing on this trip and then you imagine it, the Celtics and the heat coming back and they do well, like how can you not look at that and say, we have to play it out. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that, mm-hmm. but in a perfect world for me, because I actually still think they can be good even if they trade Pascal Siakam. But in a perfect world, I would try and re-sign Pascal to a shorter deal. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that takes some, some you know, he needs to acquiesce from um, his camp. Yeah. But if you have him on a shorter deal, then at least when you look to trade him next year, he has more value than he has at this current point in time. Mm-hmm. Because when you try and trade Pascal Siakam, who is a fringe all-NBA player, and there's no guarantee that he's going to re-sign with the team that you trade him to, what are you going to get for him? I don't know. Not very much. And if this team is showing you that they can beat some of the best teams of the National Basketball Association, is it really worth trading Pascal Siakam for either players that are unlikely to help you because it's going to be hard to get much value for him or, uh, I don't know, a couple of second round picks or whatever it may be. Cause that's the reality. You're not going to get like some crazy deal for Pascal on an expiring deal with no guarantee that he's going to sign with the team. He's going to, I mean the opposite. Yeah. Like his, is his camp letting it leak before the season that he's unlikely to sign an extension with whoever trades for him, that he'll hit free agency. And that's like the, the fault you could say of the Toronto Raptors for Mm -hmm. having taken it to this point. Like they essentially needed a trade to sort of save them themselves in that regard because they were screwed. The Pascal He's either walking for nothing or they trade him for not much Mm -hmm. either, or they choose to resign a guy who's, going to be 30 for probably max money and you can also criticize that deal so they were kind of screwed any way you slice it but now having seen them through a couple of games here it's hard to want to break up the band i don't want it i okay like jonathan kaminga might be a a half decent player by the way like yeah so that warriors team i i guess has to add like they got to keep adding and adding and adding as long as steph curry's around this is uh, the final year of Clay thompson's contract but draymond green was re-upped and he was in street clothes but like in the facility yesterday Boy, uh, they need him back um, and contributing. But, yeah, that's a Warriors team that that has some issues. They need to make a move unless they're just, you know, going to totally pivot, I, which, again, I, got it, I don't envision as long as Steph Curry's there and Bob Myers looks like, you know, he it was smart to, to get out when the getting was good there yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in Golden State. Yeah. But, like, yeah, okay, uh, so is that the, you want, like, the, the Chris Paul contract who's having surgery yeah. and then, like, Jonathan Kaminga as the centerpiece uh, of a Pascal Siakam trade? Yeah. Like, maybe, like, 
This is also a, a Jonathan Kaminga who, in recent days, has complained about <laughs> his usage he in Golden State and and the hates a Hall of Famer uh, type head coach in in Steve Kerr, who's you know got championship pedigree, who's like, what have you? No offense to you, Jonathan Kaminga, top five pick, but like, what have you done? So is that is that what you want? Like that's like that seems like the most rosy outlook on a Pascal Siakam trade. Yeah, he's also just not a great fit. Like I think what clearly what this Raptors team needs even though they're a better shooting team after the trade than they were prior, mm -hmm. they still need shooting. And Jonathan Kaminga, as athletic as he is, he's not a good shooter at all. He's remarkably inefficient. And yeah, you could say things change, different circumstances, still a young player, tons of room for growth. And all of that may be true. But if this team is going to do anything of any sort of consequence this season with this newly assembled group, they're going to need additional scoring, mm -hmm. not a guy who's athletic but can't shoot the basketball. That just ultimately hampers them. Like, mm -hmm. I actually don't think Jonathan Kaminga would help at all this season. Moving forward, maybe, but he's a bit of a project in that sense. And I'm not sure that that's something that you want to get for a guy who's potentially an, you know, an all-NBA type player. Plus, like, the vibes are good now. Like, do you want to bring in a guy right. that's going to mess with the vibes? Like, I made fun of the vibes stuff, which was, like, stated almost explicitly by this front office. Mm -hmm. Like, we fire the head coach, and we're banking on vibes. Like, a vibe change. Too much selfishness. We're going we're to be super vibey, though, yeah. in, in 23, 24, <laughs> and it didn't look that way. Until the, until this trade. Like Schroeder, like a week ago, was I, like, ah, oh, the, the vibes are off, basically. Yeah, that was the last game before <laughs> it's this. It's crazy. Yeah, that was the Pistons game, right? Like, yeah, no. The, these, it's like, we these, don't like each other. <laughs> no, these guys don't play for each other. Yeah. And, and, I mean, the players that were on the court in that game are still here. So, yeah, you wonder who explicitly we're, we're talking about. And, you know, there's a guy that's a pending free agent. And, yeah, yeah okay. I understand wants a, a max contract, so maybe that's where the finger is being pointed. Masai Ujiri not so subtly also pointing at the same guy. But whatever. Right now, everybody's playing together. That's the other thing, Jesse. You, you look at, you know, Emmanuel quickly is a restricted free agent. He's got money to make, and R.J. Barrett is under contract, but he's trying to justify what, mm -hmm. you know, as you mentioned, Zach Lowe referred to as a toxic asset in Crazy. his contract. There's a lot of eyeballs on him as a third overall selection playing for his hometown team. Those guys have assimilated into the offense way better than I ever imagined, right? Like there was the one moment, and maybe you can quibble with the last shot for the Raptors and Emmanuel quickly and, mm -hmm. and the the offense that 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 they drew up at the end of the, the game on Friday against the Kings. That's like the one time where I thought, oh, well, somebody's kind of maybe not Maybe, maybe you know, putting their role first, or 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 not understanding the pecking order here, and not doing something that that feels natural. Yep. But those two dudes, since they arrived, like, did any of the thirty-seven points scored by R.J. Barrett look like that guy was forcing it? It was a guy with a hot hand, mm -hmm. and you know, took some extra threes than maybe he normally wouldn't have if they weren't dropping for him. But no, he took what was in front of him, and he didn't force it. N neither guy has. Ironically, that's kind of been a, a staple, even though the the offense was. Not good prior to the trade. And we talked about how it was not fun to watch them play. One thing that they have been doing under Darko is passing the ball a lot and trying mm -hmm. to get open looks. They just were not a good shooting team. And that's reality. So you can have as many open looks as you want. But if you're a, not a good team, yeah. it's not going to look good when you're just clanking shots. Right. But even last night, again, 38 assists. Like, this is a team who did not pass the ball at all a year ago, and suddenly they're third in the NBA in assists. And Darko, I think, deserves a ton of credit for that. And as you start to, as like you said, assimilate more and better shooters into the lineup, 
that's going to start looking really good mm-hmm. because they are passing the ball. It's the bang, 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 get it to each other, find the open look. And when you have a quickly who's a 40% three-point shooter and you have a Scotty Barnes who's a 40% three-point shooter and nights like last night where R.J. Barrett looks really good and is very efficient, you're going to end up Chris having... Chris Boucher, a, 100% three-point exactly. shooter. Exactly. <laughs> like, there's going to be nights where because of the, the offense and the way that it's so quick and they have so many passes and so many assists... It's going to end up looking yeah. really good. And I think I think Darko deserves a lot of credit. I know people have been on him for some of his stubbornness mm-hmm. with his rotations, especially prior to the trade. But I think one of the things and the major thing that Masai Ujiri talked about in the offseason was this team played selfish. We need to change that completely. And literally, the proof is in the statistics. They are no longer a selfish basketball team. And that comes directly from the head coach. So criticize them all you want for being stubborn sometimes. Darko deserved credit for that. Four-fifths of the starting lineup had more than five assists. Emmanuel quickly had nine in the first half. It's unbelievable. Yesterday. Beautiful right? basketball. Yes. Yeah, six what do you want? from Pascal, three from Scotty Barnes, five from Jakob Pertl, six from R.J. Barrett, and yeah, it quickly ends up finishing with 10. No, it's 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 shocking how watchable this <laughs> Raptors team in uh, is uh, considering where they were. Yeah, what? Like, what was that, last weekend that they played the Pistons? Yeah. Like, give me a break. Yes. It's been a week, and 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 everything is different so with this team. This is how I judged it uh, last night. Obviously, the football game is massive, mm-hmm. and I love the NFL. And, you know, I obviously love the Raptors as well. But if you would have told me a week ago that the Bills-Dolphins would be on, and it would be for the division, mm-hmm. but I'd be like, kind of want to watch the Raptors and Warriors. Oh, yeah. They got the little screen for me. Like exactly. the Bills got the little screen. They were on my laptop and the Raptors at the big exactly. screen. If you would have told me that a week ago, I would have thought, you know, we're both crazy. There's no chance I'm tuning into Raptors Warriors when they just got beat by the Pistons. Yep. There's no chance. And now suddenly they're back on the big screen, baby. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's a super fun watch. Uh, and they continue their road trip uh, this week in LA against the, the two LA teams. All right. Uh, we'll talk about the Raptors again. Later on uh, in the program, we talked to Blake Murphy. We're coming back, Leafs cap up their California road trip with three straight victories. William Nylander on the verge of a contract extension. Our pal Gord Stellick joins us next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Jesse Rubinoff, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.